Thanks for listening to this podcast of Bet MGM Tonight. Our show is live every weeknight from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern on Odyssey radio stations around the country, odyssey.com, as well as the Odyssey app. Joining us from Yahoo Sportsbook is Mark Drumheller. Mark, thanks for joining the show. How you doing, big dog? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Man, um, we got some questions. And, you know, in order for them to be answered, we had to call you. You are our cavalry. We need you to answer these questions. It has to start with this Thursday night game between the Cowboys and the Saints. What the heck is going on with the Saints quarterback position? And why aren't the Dallas Cowboys favored by more? Like, I know they've been through a little bit of a slump, especially against the spread. Maybe some injuries here and there. But four and a half, I took it at the four. It's now gone up to the hook. I feel great about that play. Am I an idiot right now? Um, I wouldn't say that. I, I think it's, you know, a situational where, you know, obviously a lot of things going on with Dallas with, you know, COVID and then, you know, McCarthy's not going to be there. Some people, you know, is that a positive? Is that a negative? Right. Yeah. You know, I guess we're going to find out, but um, you know, it, that runs through the whole coaching staff as well. So you, we don't, it's kind of tough to predict, you know, what kind of impact that's going to have on the team, but the saints have just, um, they've looked bad and they, they've looked tough and without, you know, the quarterback situation ever since Winston went down has been a problem. So, um, it's a game that I'm personally staying away from on Thursday night just because there's so much variance, you know, baked into it with everything that's going on with that game. But it's hard to get behind the Saints. So I think, you know, Dallas might be the play there. I have a, a college football question. Um, is Lincoln Riley as good of a coach as everybody says that he is? I mean, he he ran the Heisman favorite out of town. He's a great recruiter. But I have watched Oklahoma this year, and they have not looked good. Um, is he leaving at the right time, right before OU becomes an afterthought in the SEC? I think he 100% is. I think you nailed it on the head right there. You know, you look at Oklahoma and their future and what it's going to look like in the SEC, and they're going to be like an Arkansas or an old oh Miss God. or Mississippi State, <laughs> like a team like that from a competitive standpoint. So recruiting is going to become even tougher, you know, and now he can go out to USC and, you know, in the Pac-12, you know, he can kind of build uh, USC, you know, a prominent, you know, program. He's going to get a ton of money as far as like recruiting. He's going to be able to recruit all over the country. So um, I think it was a pretty attractive deal for him, but I do think there is some truth in the fact that he kind of saw the writing on the wall of what Oklahoma was going to become in the SEC and decided um, an easier path. And do you think that, like, where do you put him in the pantheon of of coaches right now? Obviously, you've got, you know, the top tier. You've got, you know, Nick Saban. You've got Dabo. You know, is he in that category to you, or is he, like, the tier below? Or what, what tier would you put him in? Yeah, I would put him in the tier below just from the sense that it's when you look at Oklahoma and they haven't been able to perform in the playoffs, right? And and there have been, you know, Alabama has been really the only team that's dominant in the playoffs. So you can't really hold that against them too much. But it, this year was a year where they were supposed to really contend that, you know, the defense was supposed to be much better. You know, they had Spencer Rattler, who was supposed to be, you know, the, the Heisman, you know, winner and could have been, you know, potential top pick in the draft. And that completely went sideways. He had to bring in Caleb Williams. And even in that Baylor game, I, I felt like he did a poor job as far as like putting Caleb Williams in positions to succeed. You know, they were, they were, he was getting pressured. He was on the road, a young quarterback in the offensive play calling. They really just had him, you know, not really in rhythm, just trying to chuck the ball deep downfield and make big plays. 
So I really wasn't impressed with Lincoln Riley done in a year this year where I thought that they really had an opportunity to contend. Mark, I just got to ask you this question. I am on Alabama unofficially, and um, I'm thinking about playing it officially. I've been waiting out for a seven and a half. I don't know if I'm going to get it. We talked to one of our Vegas insiders about that line movement and what's expected to happen there. And Vegas doesn't want to give that up, that seven and a half. And I kind of understand that. But what's your feel on this game? It's it's so tricky because you know how dominant Georgia has been. Are, do you have a play in this game on the under, the over, or anything? But most importantly, the side. Because I really want to take Bama, but Georgia has been a force. I just feel like Georgia might come out there and play not to lose instead of to win. I think you have a good point. I'm there with you waiting to see where this ends up. Like, can we get at least a seven? You know, can I get the seven with Alabama? And I think I'd be real comfortable because everything you hear going into this game and it's all warranted is Georgia's defense and their their front is historically great. And they're going to beat up, you know, the Bama offensive line who let up seven sacks against Auburn. Right. But it works both ways. Like the Alabama defense is really good as well. You know, you look at them, they're fourth in the country against the run you know, right below Georgia. They're third in the country in sacks right above Georgia. So, you know, in order to cover a big number like this, Georgia's going to have to score on Bama as well. You know, Nick Saban does know a little bit about defense. So I think the Bama defense is going to come, you know, ready to play. And I, I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. If they can stop Georgia, at least slow down Georgia from running the ball, which they've been pretty effective on defense this year, um, they can make a game of this and they can keep it close. I think this is a lot of points delayed to Nick Saban um, in this type of game. I know Alabama has underperformed this year, but I could see this being a low-scoring game. And you look at these two defensive fronts, you know, Alabama can get after the quarterback as well. And it, I think a lot's really going to come down to, like, how do these officials call this game? I think, you know, the penalties and the key spots, you know, with offensive holding, all that is going to come into it. But um, I really think the SEC wants to see both these teams get in. So I'm going to be really keeping an eye on the officials in this one. I saw Penn State, Auburn, and sometimes those SEC officials get what they want. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. And we just had this, this conversation with Kim Barkley. Do you think that Alabama is 100% dead even if they lose? Like, do you think they're out like a two-loss Alabama? you think they still get in? I think that there's a better chance than a lot of people think. Um, I think that, you know, they're going to need some help if, if they do lose this. But if they lose a close game, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, they, if this is about money. This is why they do this, right? right? You know, they put the, did the playoffs. It's really about money. They want the best teams in there. And that's why I think if, if it's a close competitive game and, you know, Cincinnati, you know, it goes down to the wire with Houston and, you know, Oklahoma state loses or maybe Cincinnati loses, you know, you could see, um, you know, I could see Alabama kind of squeezing in, you know, they already pretty much came out and told Notre Dame that, you know, cause they don't have a coach. They're, they're, right. they're really not. We're not we're, we don't want playoffs. to watch that. You don't have a coach. Yeah. So that's uh that's interesting in itself, but I wouldn't count Alabama out, but I, I think that they're, they're live in this game. I, I know Georgia is the yes. most dominant team in the country, but, this is a spot that I think that Alabama can keep this game close in. Talking about language, man. You talked about the uh, Notre Dame not having a coach. Obviously, Brian Kelly now going to the Bayou. That is a, a strange fit, uh, in my opinion. Is that the death of LSU? I'll tell you, it's not the it's not the candidate that LSU wanted. You know, when they when they opened this search, you know, people were whispering that Lincoln Riley. They wanted to, you know, a big. Big name, you know, people were talking about, you know, a lot of different coaches and, and you never heard them 
talk about Brian Kelly. and it's, Maybe one of the most overrated can, coaches in recent memory. He could be. Um, I, I think he probably, you know, the interesting part about it is Notre Dame is such a unique spot to coach because, yeah. you know, the, like you, the, from a recruiting perspective, you're a little bit limited, mm-hmm. you know, where he's not going to be limited at LSU. He's going to be able to bring in, you know, everybody that he needs and everybody he wants there for that program to be successful. But I was surprised by it. I was surprised not only that they targeted Kelly, but at the amount of money that they gave him and the huge contract. Uh, you know, I think that LSU had different plans when they fired, you know, Coach O, and they had to pivot, and Brian Kelly was kind of the best that they could sell at that point. It's weird. We're seeing a lot of these 10-year contracts now. Is that just going to be the standard moving forward? It seems like it. I mean, I you know, it's – and not only that, but there's so much volatility just as far as, uh, you know, the coaches moving, and I don't think it's going to stop. I mean, I think that, you know, we're still going to see some dominoes fall um, after these conference championship games, you know, because when these big programs, you know, take on these coaches, you know, it creates holes, and then those holes get filled, and they create more holes, and, and it trickles down. So, you know, Miami still is probably going to have a spot open – um, you know, you might be able to see like Elaine Kiffin, um, you know, go into that situation, which is going to create another job in the SEC. So I still think there's going to be a ton of movement um, as far as the coaches, you know, in college football moving forward. Mark, pivoting back to the NFL, I'm looking at San Francisco against Seattle. Um, I was on Seattle last night in that pick game against my Washington football team, and I lost. But deep down inside the little kid in me. I won because we are still in the playoff hunt, even if the record looks trash. But now Seattle's only a three and a half point dog at home against San Fran, who I've been really down on all season long, but they've been putting together some really good football games. I know Debo Samuel is probably not going to play, but do you feel like there's anything fishy about that line between those two? Yeah, it seems light right now. Yeah. I mean, you look at it and San Francisco wants to run the ball. That's how they move. You know, they so they're not really you know, going to light up the scoreboard, but they've been very efficient and they have been scoring a lot of points. The offense seems to finally be clicking with Kyle Shanahan and it's the exact opposite with Seattle. And I think, you know, I fell into that trap, you know, last night as well with taking the Seahawks on the money line. I got them early in the week. Yeah. You know, I got some plus money. I was like, Hey, let's roll. Russ is going to cook. You know, the Seattle can't be bad forever. They have DK Metcalf and they're just a mess. And I don't know if, you know, I don't, I, I can't really pinpoint what the issue is there, but it doesn't look like Pete Carroll has the ability to fix it. Um, they just seem, you know, completely out of sorts. You know, Russ is back there. He has no time to get the ball down the field. And even when he does, his decision-making isn't what it, you know, has been throughout his career. He's made some poor decisions with ball placement. We saw that with, you know, the interception in the end zone. Very uncharacteristic of Wilson. So Mm -hmm. can't back them there. You you mentioned DK Metcalf. That leads me to a a question that I think has been puzzling all football fans, especially football fans that bet on props. Like, what should we quickly, what should we make about DK Metcalf's lack of targets since Russ's return? Is this because of the finger? And, like, should we just be fading DK Metcalf props from now on? I would until they figure it out because I really thought if there was a situation for this Seattle offense to get right, it it was against that Washington defense. It was against that secondary. You know, they let up – I'm not sure if it's the most, but, you know, one of the most passing touchdowns in the NFL. Like, you can really, you know, get something going against that secondary. And they didn't even have a game plan. But it seemed like, um, you know, Metcalf obviously getting frustrated. Again, like Seattle is just a situation that I – I, I'm shocked that their struggles have continued this long, so I really can't just 
expect them to turn the light switch on. Mark, we got like 30 seconds. Any of your favorite plays for the uh, upcoming weekend? Yeah, I'm on pit um, against Wake. I think, nice. you know, when you look at Wake Forest, I laid the three. Um, they can't stop anyone. You know, you can run all over them. And, you know, they, I think Pitt, that what that's going to do is pretty much give Pitt and Pickett a balanced offense. And I think we saw Hartman when he's pressured against Clemson. He can be forced into some turnovers. Pitt, obviously, a great defensive line, top 10, second most sacks in the country. So I think he's going to struggle there. So I like the Pitt Panthers. I like Pitt as well, and I actually might be on them. Don't tell nobody. Thank you, Mark Drumheller, so much for joining the show. That is Mark from Yahoo Sportsbook. Man, every week he's been on, well, maybe the past two weeks, and he's bringing great insight, and he breaks the game down phenomenally. We have uh, had a lot of great guests. Um, yeah. Man, especially just getting added to the Rolodex over these past, maybe this past month. So shout out to him. And if you missed that, if you came in on the tail end of that interview, you can check out the podcast. Type in Bet MGM tonight wherever you listen to your podcast. 